He, he, that was a key word, salvation, right? Just a bit of review. He fought for your heart and mind, and that was our, our key word was surrender. And he's going to keep fighting for the souls of men and the hearts and minds of those souls. And he wants you in that fight. Listen, all you all hear that your soul has been won, it was because someone got in the fight and fought for you along with the man of war. And so if your soul has been won, and your heart and mind have been won, and you begin to get in the fight through submission, guess what you're joining the man of war in? The souls of men. The fight for those souls. The fight for the hearts and minds of others that will come after you. For you to be in that fight for the souls of men, it's going to take that key word, submission. Submitted to discipleship. Submitted to the right fight, not the fight with your dad, but the fight through your dad. By submitting to him and eventually submitting to the Heavenly Father. These things get you in the fight. However, once you get in the fight, how do you stay in the fight? How do you finish it? Paul says he fought a good fight. How do we stay in the fight? 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 through 4. Right? Now, therefore, your hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a, a soldier. The Lord is a man of war, and he wants you to join him in the fight, and he has chosen you to be a soldier. This is how you will stay in the fight. So the man of war is pleased with you. See, in the book of Timothy, Specifically, 2 Timothy. Our boy Timothy's kind of having a hard time. Ministry's hard. A lot of things he's facing. And look what Paul says in chapter 1 and verse 4, 2 Timothy. Paul said, I greatly desire to see thee. Do you see it? Being mindful of thy tears. I may be filled with joy. Paul knows Timothy's hurting. Timothy, man, is, is crying. He's mindful of his tears. He's having a tough time. I don't know if Timothy was on the verge of quitting, but just things are rough. Things are hard. And this whole book is to encourage his son in the faith to keep fighting. He doesn't tell Timothy to leave. He doesn't, tell, he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to come to save the day. Hey, I'm going to come and scoop you up and protect you and provide for you. He can't. Paul is stuck in prison. So it's really a hard and lonely time for Timothy. And Paul is writing to encourage him to fight the good fight. This is where we begin to pick up our principles. If you want to finish this thing, finish it. Right? If you want to finish this thing, number one, you're going to have to learn to endure hardness. Listen, the moment you go home, and we'll talk about this man a little bit tomorrow, the moment you get off that bus, it's going to get hard. I don't know how many times I've seen kids make decisions at camp, and the moment they get home, the mom or the dad or a brother or a sister or aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, man, says something that just cuts and almost robs everything that is done. It's going to get hard as you learn that, you know, okay, to be in the fight, I'm going to fight for the souls of men as others have fought for me. 
listen, when you're in a war, it ain't easy. It's going to take a sacrifice. And as my man, my Elijah once said, a sacrifice is not a sacrifice unless it's a sacrifice. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to endure difficulty, endure afflictions, endure troubles. You know what endure means? Don't quit. Listen, you need to get this in your mind very early. Quitting is not an option for a Christian. It's not an option. See, with, I know it's, it's, it's so messed up now with this whole marriage thing and all that stuff and divorce and all that. You know, when I got married, you know what's helped me endure? Divorce is not an option. It's not even on the table. It's not even a point of conversation. Listen, if you're going to make it, you've got to come to a place where you make the, you make the decision, hey, no matter how hard, no matter how knocked down I get, no matter how drag out kind of a fight it's going to be, I may get down, but I'm not going to be knocked out. I ain't going to quit. That's not an option if you're going to finish the fight. I want you to check something, though. He didn't just tell you, hey, finish, son. He's not just telling Paul, he's just not telling Timothy, hey, man, you weakling, just finish. Oh, no, he, he comes at this in a very sweet way, and I think you'll see some things that we've been talking about. This is why I brought you all through this Old Testament stuff to show you this. So you've been tracking if you're part of the two and you've been moving along with me, it's so that we get here. That's why this night is so important. All this stuff was built up. They're like, God, it's been beating me up. It's been working to me. I'm like, you mean there's more? Yeah, all that had to be dealt with so you get here. Check this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 2. In verse 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness. And remember, you guys may know the things the Bible says. What's the there or therefore? Right? For someone, what's the therefore there? Or I don't know. That's a, I don't know better. English, I don't get it. Okay, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, though. Look, this is the verses above. This is what he's referring to. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I don't know if you see it. Do you see it? Do you see what we've been talking about in these verses? If not, I'm going to lay it out for you. Timothy, this is not Paul. Timothy, I want you to endure hardness. But here's what it's supposed to help you endure. But if you find out the same things that are given Timothy, the same things that they've been given to you, the same things we've been looking at. Number one, you've been given a father. Timothy was given a father. Let's look at that. You've been given a father. Write that down as quick as possible. And back to 2 Timothy 2. Now, therefore, my son. See, Timothy was to endure. 
He's like, endure hardness, and it's coming from a father-son relationship. It's just not some somebody saying this or some nobody. This is Timothy's dad. So these are words coming from his spiritual father. If you know anything about Timothy, his dad isn't in the picture. His mom and his grandmother really kind of raised him up. And Paul came in and not only won Timothy to Christ, but became his spiritual father. And so we're already starting with this whole father thing. If, if Timothy is going to endure, he has to have a right relationship with his spiritual father. know why most teens don't endure? It's the father factor. The thing we talked about yesterday. But if you establish a spiritual father, whether that is your biological father who's walking with the Lord as a great example or a father figure that we laid up here. Not laid up here. They stood up here. Okay? You are now better fit to endure hardness. You know, there's some things I have solely endured just because my dad, man, wouldn't want me to quit. I just stuck it out. He, he taught me this principle of football. Then it comes up one, like, oh, this is, this is horrible. You know, I'm going to die. You know, and I had no energy, and I'm just getting pummeled, and then you're just getting beat up, and then my dad's like, hey, you made a commitment. You need to finish. You need to finish. Don't quit. And man, you know what? The only reason I endured football that year was because my dad didn't want me to quit. You know, baseball, I almost gave up baseball like my nine, when I was nine or ten. Me and my brother kept crying to my dad. Oh, we don't want to play anymore. My dad's like, why? Because we lose every year. We stink. I mean, we played city ball. It's horrible, man. We lost every year because we didn't have a name. We didn't, couldn't freeze all the good players. And so it was me and my brother, and then we just had to pick up the people that no one knew. Well, the reason they didn't know them was, you kind of know why, right? And so every year we're losing. We're losing badly, and we got the kids' pitch, and it just wasn't working. And I'm like, and I had to catch, and it was just, it was just, ah. We're crying, please don't let us play. And my dad's like, give me one more year. On that year, we moved to Kansas City Baptist Temple had a baseball league. We come into that league, and guess what? Uh, we get to go back to machine pitch after playing a year of kids pitch. Guess what? That baseball looked like beach balls now. We went undefeated that year. The only reason I would continue baseball is because my dad, man, he said, give me one more year. He helped me endure hardness. It taught me to keep moving. Listen, you know, there's some things in my life, the only reason sometimes I've endured is because my Heavenly Father is like, hey, you just go a little further. You just endure some more. Relief is coming. I need you to get through this. Don't quit me. Don't quit on me, son. Stay with me. If you don't have that interactive relationship with your Father, you're not going to endure hardness. You won't. You quit. And that's what's so cool about the spiritual fathers that come into your life. And many of you made it spiritual mothers that will come in. If you just want to quit this thing, 
quit discipleship, quit, quit serving. Just is so hard, man. I keep getting ridiculed at school, and all this stuff keeps happening. Man, it just seems like everything's falling apart. And then it's like, hey, would you just take one more step with me? Hey, go a little further. And you can do it. Come on. Endure. You know what? They'll get you so through some of the hardest stuff. Man, we got some people in our church. Their whole life fell apart. I had to drive the husband up to Illinois for a recovery thing, and and he's there for three months. And the wife and the kids and him are like, man, how's this going to work? I can't see the light. I don't know what's going on. And I just say, hey, just, just, just endure. Just walk with your Heavenly Father day by day. Like, this is too hard. We can't do this. And, and you know, we can't just push it one more day. Come on, just come on one day. One more week. And now, he's the Cuban heat in our church. That's, what, that's his nickname. He's from Cuba. And, and his wife was the one that was telling me that was playing guitar and overcome her fears. The kids are in our church. And we can't even remember all those days anymore because they're so far gone. You know what God through the hardness? A father. Our father. I'm just telling you. If you want to finish the fight, if you want to do your hardness, you got to have this father thing figured out. Number two, you have been given grace. You have been given grace. You've been given a father. You've been given grace. Man, I don't have the time to lay all this out tonight and I'll let Stephen do it. <laughs> but you know what you've been given? Just write it down. You've been given saving grace. He's brought you, if you're saved here tonight, it's by the grace of God that you've been saved and you've been brought out of Egypt. For by grace are you saved through faith. Grace has saved you. Oh, I missed the verse. Go back to 2 Timothy so you can see this, though. Now, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you want to do our hardness, therefore, right? My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know what you need to be strong in? You need to be strong in your salvation. You need assurance that you've been saved. You have experienced that saving grace. And there's days that, you know what? You know what gets me through? And it's so hard. I don't get it. I don't understand. All I know that day is I'm saved and I'm His. And sometimes that is enough to get me through. You have to have saving grace. You have to know that you come out of Egypt. You have to know that you that your Lord has fought for your soul and won. And you know what? Sometimes that's just enough to get through it. Two, he's giving you sustaining grace. Sustaining grace. See, when they're coming out of Egypt, right? Remember, they didn't go the way of war, right? They, they went the way of the wilderness so God could prepare them. And, and during that time, he kept giving grace upon grace upon grace. Oh, Pharaoh's coming? Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to protect you. Supernaturally, right? They didn't deserve it. 
And then what? I'm hungry. Oh, stomach pains. And God said, okay, I'm going to supernaturally give you some manna. That's grace. Man, I'm thirsty. Okay, boom, hit a rock. Here comes water. That's grace. They, they were given sustaining grace from the moment they were saved to the moment that they got into war. You have to understand that, okay, today, God has given you grace. And that grace today is enough or sufficient. And that grace is fresh every day. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10, we see that. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Paul's talking about, man, something was given to him. Why? The messenger of Satan buffeted me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Check this. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How's the power of Christ rest upon you? His grace is sufficient in your life. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses. Does that sound like hardship? Does that sound like hardness? He's now taking pleasure in it. Why? For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. He realizes his weakness, but he recognizes God's grace, and that makes him strong, and that strengthens him for the hardness. Man, you need some time, maybe with one of your counselors or your discipler or whoever, to show you how to recognize the grace every day that God gives you. It's amazing. If you can open your eyes and see the grace that God gives you every day, that it is sufficient. And when you can see that, man, sometimes that's enough to get you through the hardness. To help you endure. The third thing, the third part of, sanct of grace is sanctifying grace. Sanctifying grace. There's grace that God gives us to teach us some things. Titus 2, 11 through 12 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching us that deny ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. And we'd see this with the tabernacle. That God wants to dwell with us. He wants to fellowship, fellowship with us. And so he graced them with the tabernacle. But that whole tabernacle then brought the Levitical priesthood. And the Levitical priesthood was to cause them to be set apart from the other nations. So that then the, that same pillar that guided them, that same pillar that was their sustaining grace, now can land on them and dwell with them. Because they're sanctified, they're set apart. And so man, God is, what he's done is through that same grace that saved you, you begin to realize, man, he died for those sins. Therefore, because of that grace and my love for him, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's amazing if you can grasp this. If not, you need to ask someone. But the grace that saves you, sustains you, will also sanctify you. Just like the pillar guided and provided and also dwelt with them. 
Listen, if you can understand, if you can understand God's grace in your life, that He has given you grace and you need to be strong in it, listen, God's grace will actually do more in your life for sanctification than laws ever will. When you sanctify because of laws or rules, it's usually out of duty. But when you sanctify because of grace, it's coming out of love. Love is always stronger than loss. So grace is actually stronger than the Old Testament laws. Because no longer is all thou shalt not do this, thou shalt do this. No, my God died for me. It's not just to bring my soul out of Egypt. And not only then he gives me the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the people of God, and he begins to sustain me with that grace. But because he's given me that grace, I don't deserve it. And so I just want to live for him. So I set myself apart from the world. I set myself apart from sin so that I could serve him. And now it's coming out of your heart. It's coming out of the love. It's coming out of the thing that he won, your heart and mine. It's not thou shalt this, oh, you should obey your parents or not. No, I want to because my God told me to. And those kind of things, man, help you endure. You can, you can endure hardness if you would simply understand God saved you, God sustains you, and God is sanctifying you. You know, there's sometimes I don't understand the hardness. I don't understand why I'm here, why I'm going through this, and I don't get it. But I do know God is working in me to get the world out of me so that I can be more given to him. And sometimes I look at the hardness, I'm like, I don't get it, God, but I do trust you. You won my heart and mind. So I know then you're doing something. And I know it's probably for my sanctification. So I endure. I don't quit. Because I want to see where this goes. I want to see what you're doing in my life. I don't want you to waste the grace that you've been given. I don't want you to waste it. Okay, I just need you to know, right? Like, we're talking about how to finish. So if you haven't got saved, you can't get to this yet. If you haven't surrendered your heart and mind, you ain't going to get to this. But if you have do, done those things and you're beginning to submit, listen, grace will become one of the most powerful things in your life to get you through some of the darkest days. Man, I got to be careful with the stories I tell. All right, listen, there's a time when man, we had this youth group just like your size, man. There's a hundred something students, man, twenty something counselors, uh, killer praise, man, like you guys got. It was awesome. It was where you wanted to be when it came to youth ministry. The leadership I in, I was under made a, a different decision that I wasn't right with. That I didn't see a biblical one. So I had to resign. I'm not the Moses. I was just the Joshua. So I had to resign. And it hurt, man. I had to leave all of those kids that I'd given six something years to. I loved them. Just as, man, Stephen loves you, and Meg loves you, my, my wife, and I loved those teenagers, man. They were our life. 
prepared for their soul. And I had to let them go. Man, and I remember when me and my wife called it the funk. We would just sit there in bed and look up at the ceiling in the morning and we're like, ah, it's so hard to get up. We just went away in bed. You know what God makes you that? Just realizing God's grace. I mean, those are, I tell you, dark days. I'm just to get up and say, all right, now you saved me. That's all I, that's me. All I know right now. I don't know what you're doing. You saved me. And I know you're going to give me enough today to make it. You're trying to do something in me. I don't get it. I don't know why I have to, but you won my heart and soul. And so I'll endure. Listen, if you don't get this grace thing, you won't endure the hardness. You won't deem it worthy or worth it. Number three, you have been given discipleship. You've been given discipleship. You have been given discipleship. Back in 2 Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, Father Factor, be strong in the grace that in Christ Jesus, that's the whole yak attack, right? Don't have a yak attack, be still, no, and all that stuff. Trust his grace, trust what he's doing. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. This is our discipleship verse, right? But Paul is telling Timothy, hey, look, my son, be strong in the grace. And remember what I taught you. Now, therefore, endure hardness. See all the things that we've been dealing with? You can see it in these verses. All the things that you've been brought through are going to be the same things that keep you going. That will produce this ability to endure hard things. I hope you can see that. One of just making stuff up as we're going through the Old Testament. Here Paul is telling Timothy the same thing. Can you see that? Do you, can, can I get some Do you see that? If not, the counselors will figure it out. Okay. He did this in the nation of Israel to prepare, for, prepare them for war. He did so David could get in the fight. And it's here in 2 Timothy. These things are the same thing that gets Timothy in the fight. But it's the same thing that will keep him in the fight. Listen. That's the positive, right? But if you don't take advantage of the things in your life, the Father, the grace, and discipleship, you will not be able to endure hardness. I'm just telling you, you won't make it. You ain't going to make it. You're like, I'll just quit now. Yeah, okay. Just prove your heart. They never won your heart and soul. They never really surrendered. For those that want to, want to endure, you've been given those things. Invest in them before it gets way too hard. Before it really gets tough. Paul is telling Timothy, because of those three things, endure hardness. Paul is telling Timothy, hey, my son, you've been given enough now just endure hardness as a good soldier. 
Soldiers from day one of training to the point that they're in the front lines endure difficulty after difficulty, but it's purpose training. They are made hard to be able to endure hard things. One old boy said it this way, being in hot water all the time makes you hard boiled. Okay. Listen, if discipleship is easy, that doesn't help you when things get hard. If submitting to the Father is just kind of a stroll in the park and this whole Father thing doesn't really, like, really make an impact in you, that whole easy thing doesn't make you hard. Understanding grace and working through it and studying that out and making sure that's part of your life and making that sure that you're praying through those things and God has to take you. Remember, he's got to take you to hard things to show you his grace. Remember, God took him to the Red Sea or the pillar and took him to that hard place and they had to wait, be still, right? Fear not, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Guess what? The salvation of the Lord's grace. And so God's got to start preparing you with hard things so he can show you his grace. He's going to put discipleship in your life, and guess what? It may be hard. Probably it's going to be hard. It's going to attack your flesh. And he may just give you a, a guy or a lady that, and it's just hard. But your disciples are going to want to know if you want it. And if you'll get through the hardness, if you'll just finish discipleship, man, it's just really hard to talk to him. Figure a way to talk to them. And it's really hard to connect with her. Find a way. Don't just quit. Push through the hardness in this preparation stage as a good soldier in basic training. So when you're out of basic training, you know how to endure hardness. These things, these things have been given to you. We take advantage. Some of you guys have more time in basic training than others. Some of you middle schoolers, you got time. Maybe you got, got seven years, maybe. Six years. And some of you guys, you got to go through some intense basic training because you got one more year before you really start hitting life. Some of you guys, man, you're going to really start hitting some hardness. Some of you guys aren't prepared. Some of you guys, maybe you don't think you are, but when the hardness comes, you're like, man, you know what? I do have a father, a spiritual father in my life, and I've been interacting with the Heavenly Father, and you know what? I do recognize the grace in my life and throughout my life and how God has not only saved me, but sustained me, and man, he's sanctified me. I'm not the same person when I walked into this youth group that I am now. And you know what? I've been discipled. I've memorized my verses. I was faithful. I got the word. I began to learn how to study and all these things, and hardness comes it's hard it's difficult it's not easy oh but you're able to endure you can endure Paul is telling his son of faith hey look kid life is going to be tough and ministry is going to be even harder endure as a good soldier does when the slander comes, endure. When destructive critics come, endure. When inconsistent Christians and sin occur, endure. When people will make fun of your faith, endure. When shots are fired at you, endure. Quitting is not an option. You have been given enough to win. Man, you're in this youth group. Listen, you have been given enough to win. 
renewer. But you know, what gets some of us out of the fight? What, what stops us from going on? Well, the key word would be conflict. Conflict. Conflict comes in the way. That's that hardness part. It just got too hard. Too much conflict. Romans 5, you just need to write it down. We don't, for the sake of time, we're not going to get there. Romans 5, 3 through 5, you need to go look at that. Patience is the key to conflict. Well, uh, where's AJ at? Oh, there he is. He's like introduced himself like three times to me. I think he keeps forgetting that I don't know him. But anyway, the back of his shirt actually has this quote I thought was awesome. It's already in my message, and I saw on the back of his shirt. Babe Ruth, one of the greatest ball players of all time, once said this. It's hard to beat a person who never gives up. It's hard to beat them. Maybe you have a chance, and uh, you catch me. I'd love to tell you about this guy that man was caught in an American Sherman tank in 1944. Come talk to me about that guy. And I'll teach you something about enduring or this guy will. Here's the key decision you need to make. I will finish. Listen. If you have this mentality with discipleship, gets, no matter what gets in my way, I will finish. If you'll come to your walk with the Lord and looking at your life, if you can make the decision, I will finish. If you lean on the three things that have been given to you, you will endure. Listen. You know what? Oh, man. Okay, listen. Real quick, you got to you know why God brings some hardship or trouble in your life? There's three reasons, okay? If, you, if for some reason you don't get it down, come talk to me. There's three reasons God brings hardship in your life. One, you're in sin and he wants to correct you. Just right, correct you. He, he wants to correct you. He's going to chastise you. Is chastising hard? No. That ain't fun. Another reason he may bring hardness in your life is that he wants to strengthen your walk. There's something weak in your character. There's something weak in you, and he just wants to strengthen it. And you know what? You're going to have to go through the fire for that to be strengthened. You're going to go through the fire so the dross comes out, and it can be removed, and you become better for it. The third reason you may go through hardness is to strengthen someone else's walk. You're strong. You can endure the hardness, and somebody's watching. Oh, seniors, you got to get that. It's not just you. There's people watching, and there's a harness that may come in your life, and there's a middle school watching you go through it. And when you get through it, they're like, ah, man, I want to do that. I want to be like that. And they're strengthened. So when hardness comes in my life, not only do I look at those three things that we've already talked about, I also ask like, these three questions. Lord, am I in sin? Is this why you're taking me through this? Like, is this chastisement in my life? And I, man, what is it? Show me. So I can be sanctified. Show me what that thing is. And after I review my life, there's nothing. I'm like, okay, Lord, is there some weakness then? 
there's something that you're trying to strengthen me in and man, I've got to go through this so I'm stronger? Or could it be that, Lord, there's somebody watching and I just need to get through this so you're glorified and maybe they get saved, maybe their faith is strengthened. Man, my sister is going through some crazy stuff right now and a nurse came up to her in the middle, the, she's their overnight nurse and the nurse came up to her and says, because of your response to this situation, my faith is stronger. Listen, this is when that cancer patient, you know, that just has this joy to Lord and understands the grace they've been given and, and they just are beaming and you kind of feel like horrible coming into their presence because you're like, whoa, man, this is so hard. And, and they're just like, no, God is good. God's been awesome. And here's this. And when I leave there, I'm thinking I'm coming to minister to them. I leave there and I'm minister to I'm stronger in my faith because of them. Listen, if you come into some hardness, go through these three questions. Go through these three things and just don't have a yak attack. And you'll see that there's some purpose to it. He'll show you. It may be two years down the line, maybe three years down the line, maybe five years, maybe ten, it may be in the eternity. But you see, oh man, there was ten people over here watching me go through that, and they got saved. I never knew it. It'll be worth it. But you have to endure. If you don't endure the hardness, you never get to the answer to why the hardness happened. And a lot of times you have to go through it again. Man, I don't know about you, if I put enough investment in something, like, if I just put like 10% investment in something, I'm like, it's only 10%, right? But I start getting 50, 60, 80% investment in something, I want to finish it. I want to see what my investment comes out to, right? Man, you know what? When I'm in a hardship, and I've been pressing, and I've been going, and I'm, man, I put a lot of time, prayer, effort, I don't want to quit because I want to see where it's going. I want to see what my investment turns out. I want to see what God's doing. I want to know the answers. But you will never find the answers if you quit. If you don't endure. If you're going to be in the fight, awesome. But you know what? We need people to stay in the fight. And to do that, you have to endure hardness. The way you endure hardness is those principles I just shared with you. You may get knocked down. You will not be knocked out. You may get knocked down. You will not be knocked out. Will you finish? Number two, or once you get in the fight, how do you stay in the fight? You need to maintain focus. Maintain focus. Not only endure hardness, but maintain focus. 2 Timothy 2, 4. No man that warreth, no man that warreth, so this person's in the fight, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Someone that's in the fight is, is going to be really purposed not to lose focus, especially to lose fit focus on the business and the things of this life. What is happening in the war zone is the focus. And I get it, we have responsibilities. We have tests, we have friends, we have sports, we have bills, we have homes, we have decisions that have to be made. But the word used here is entangled. 
doesn't mean you're not involved. It just means you're not entangled with the affairs of this life. The word entangled means to be choked. The world has such a grip on you that you're choked out, bound up. You're so bound to this world, so entangled in its grip, you can't get away. The way you get entangled is you lose focus. You know how you begin to lose focus? Key word here is you begin to compromise. You begin to compromise. You know, it's not that important to get up and read in the morning. It's not that important to pray. It's not that important to go to discipleship. You know, I can take off a day here. I can take off. Man, you know what? It's okay for me to skip church for this. You know, come on. It's, I, can't, I can't be in everything. And all of a sudden, compromise begins to slip in. And you begin to lose focus. And you then, all of a sudden, you begin to be entangled. And you're bound up. We had time, we look at the nation of Israel. When they came into the land, when they came into their fight, you know what began to happen? They stopped driving out the inhabitants. They lost focus of the mission. They were supposed to drive out everyone in the land. You know what they began to do? They began to compromise. They left them where they're at a point where a generation later, they're not even serving God. Talking about losing focus. A guy named Demas lost his focus. Listen, Demas had the same luxury as Timothy. Demas had a Paul in his life. Demas had grace given to him. Demas had Paul to disciple him. But he quit. Because why? 2 Timothy 4.10 For Demas had forsaken me. He quit. Why? Having loved this present world. And is departed unto Thessalonica. Began to love the things of this world, began to compromise the mission, and he quit. He lost focus. Write down 1 John 2, 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Listen, there's these things in the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And once they get your attention, and once you begin to compromise in these areas, so you lose focus. And you quit. Key decision. I will stay focused. I will stay focused. I will stay focused. I will not quit. And I'll keep my eye on the prize. What are you supposed to focus on? Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Just write it down. We just don't have time. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. supposed to seek those things in the room. You're supposed to set your affection singular. You're to passionately pursue those things that are above. I mean, there's, there's some specific things that are above. Ask, ask Stephen and Meg about it. We'll tell you about it. I'm throwing a lot on you guys. Figure it out. Okay. Now this is where I need you to this. That's enough of the information. Most people don't know the sins that they get entangled with. They can't even name them. They 
came and named the sins that so easily beset them. I'm going to ask a lot. I mean, a lot of adults can't even do this, but I'm going to ask a lot. Because, man, we've been through a lot. Actually, I think you're more mature than most of adults. But anyway, here's the deal. What are the three things that entangle you? What are the three things that are the affairs of this world that you just get bound up in? That you get caught up in? Can you name them? Who made the three sins that so easily beset you? Maybe I can say it that way. Don't peek on somebody else's paper. Can you write? Can you name those three? Those three things that just ah, can't get past, or three things that just pull me away from man. My focus on the Lord it pulls me away from, and it makes me want to quit this whole thing. What are those three things? Can you name them, counselors? Can you name your big three? Write them down. You're like, but they're going to ask me in cabin time. Yeah, that's going to be hard. I'm telling you what, if you think having time is hard when you got other counselors like you do, and you got brothers and sisters around you wanting to help you and push you and encourage you, man, it's going to be really hard when the world gets you. It gets time with you and there's nobody around. So I'm really pushing you tonight. What are those three things? What am I doing with my heart? Okay, anyway. Listen, I'm going to give you my big three. Oh, well, let me challenge you first with those big three. Okay, I think I'm going to make it. I got 915. Listen. Some, some adults can name their big three. So the percentage just gets down. Like most people can't give me the big three. And it gets even worse after this question. Can you give me 10 verses on each one of those big threes? It's amazing what we do. We have this, if we can recognize our sin, it's crazy we don't know the verses to combat that sin. And, and you don't have to give me the verses to those things. Just write down, I need 10 verses for each one of these things. Don't feel bad if you don't got them. Okay? Most people don't. That's your job. I want you to find 10 verses on each one of those three things. And then I want, I want you to write down this. Okay, so 10 verses for each one. And then write down 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. It talks about the Lord. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, because they're spiritual. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I don't have time to run you through all the principles of this, but when you memorize those verses and not just memorize them, but you meditate them, that's the key to memorization, is meditating on it. That's the hiding in your heart. When you actually focus on those ten things and you hide them in your heart, what you're doing is binding this strong man that's talked about in Luke. 
And, and man, there's this passage where if you want to take over the house, you first have to bind up the strong man, right? If there's some big strong dude in the house protecting that house, you're going to overtake the house. You've got to bind him. You've got to take him. you got to get rid of him. Man, the flesh has been ruling in your house for a long, long time. You've got to bind it. You bind that with verses. How many? Many as it takes. Like, if it's a big, strong guy, like, well, three chains didn't do it. Okay? Throw another one. Four. Oh, that's not going to work. Five. No, that's not going to work. Six. That's not going to work. Seven. And you just keep throwing the chains on until finally it's bound. Listen, on these big threes, you just keep throwing the verses on until finally there's victory. You're going to have to know it's a strong hold. This was so funny, like, it's not so funny, it's sad, but people are like, man, these big three things, they've been, they're big three, they're big. They're strongholds in your life. They're things that you've been entangled in. It's what's causing you to not follow the Lord. You lose your focus, you quit. And you've been given years to this. You've been given a lot of time to this. And then you come and you memorize a couple verses and you read your Bible for 15 minutes a day. And you're like, oh, I don't have victory. It's me take some time. When I teach this, I usually have a brick with a, a hammer. And if you can envision, I, I, I kind of like, think, you know, take the hammer and hit the brick. Think. I read 15 minutes today. Think. It didn't work. Dink, I prayed for five minutes and I still don't have victory. Dink, I went to church this week and I still failed. Dink, it's a stronghold. You know what you do with a stronghold? Boom, 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 boom. You keep hitting it until it's done. And that may take time. But you keep hitting the stronghold. And you keep binding the strong man until he's bound so that then you now can run freely and you're tapped out of your house. Listen, and then he also, if you go to this verse, it's, it's so amazing. Casting down imaginations, okay, and you use that with word of God and all that stuff, but it says bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Those things are meant to be temptations. You can actually, through prayer, turn them to be obedience unto Christ. Let me give you an example. A beautiful girl comes down, and you have a guy who's got a choice and lust after her. She's, she's not dressed properly. And so, man, it's easy to start tempting. And like, Lord, man, there's a reason she's dressing like that. And he probably has to do something with her dad. And the father fractures broken in her. And you know what? It's just so sad that she has to dress that way to bring attention. And Lord, she didn't find a wrong guy that's just going to keep breaking her. Lord, I pray for her soul that you will put someone in her life to save her. Lord, I, I just pray that some of my sisters would have the gentleness and the kindness and the love to go approach her and win her to Christ and bring her into the fold and that she can know this life, Lord. She's lost and just acting lost. And so, Lord, one, protect my eyes, but two, save her soul. Let me tell you what, it's really hard to lust after her when you're praying for her soul. And you just now brought this thought that was meant to fail you, or meant to bring you down, meant to tempt you. You've turned to the obedience of Christ. Maybe it's made materialism. Man, I just wish you'd begin to come in. I wish I had this. I actually wish I had those things. Man, I'm just not free. I'm just not this. And you then take that. And you're like, you know what, Lord? Those thoughts 
are not of you because you have given me worth and your grace is sufficient. And you have told me this and you told me this. And so, Lord, help me with these thoughts. But I just want to glorify you. And so, Lord, just help me to live a life of contentment. And, Lord, I just want to now praise you. I just want to thank you. And all of a sudden, if you start singing some hymns, you start singing some songs, it's really hard to have those thoughts while you're singing to God. You've taken that thought of you don't have enough, but you now are like content in Christ and content in what he's given you. And you know your his grace is sufficient. And you've taken what once was a trap and have taken it and given it to the obedience of Christ. And you start singing, guys too. Man, when you start singing, and I don't know, you know, it's easier for me to do it with hymns for whatever reason. The contemporary song, I love them. Don't get me wrong. I'm like jamming back there. Don't get me wrong. But memorizing a couple of hymns, they're just, there's something about singing some hymns when the temptations come. It's really hard to sin while you're singing some hymns. It's just interesting. Find the strongman. Find these big three. And what once tripped you up, you actually turn into the beings of Christ and you actually use it for his glory. It's, it's a pretty crazy thing. And I wish I had more time to emphasize that. I'll leave that up to your counselors job counselors. They're awesome. Let me give you my big three when I was your age. Extracurricular activities. I just get tangled in them. They begin to draw me away. Man, I can't be at Wednesday night church. I can't do this. I can't do that. Man, discipleship begins to fail. These things that will help me actually endure. I just, man, I get entangled. Okay, listen, I'm not my best friend. Continue to baseball. I didn't. It's okay. But baseball was one of those things. And so, man, my dad trying to figure out how long. Okay, so my dad, man, remember that scene where he's down like this and I struck out and all that jazz? Man, I I pitched a game on Friday night. I finished, actually, I caught in the last inning I pitched. And as I'm pitching, poosh, lightning hits the lights. And so I tuck my arm in and I roll with it. Well, because of this tournament, we had to pick up in the same place the next morning. So I pitched the rest of that inning. That inning. Well, then we had the game right after that, and our all-star pitcher couldn't get out of the first inning. I'm in, I'm in eighth grade right now. Our all-star pitcher couldn't get out of the game. So we all come to the uh, come to the mound, and my coach says, hey, Cody, you think you can pitch? Well, AJ, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to pitch. Like, I want to win. This is tournament, right? My dad was so, I mean, when it came tournament time, he'd shave our heads and put the, the letter where the Rockies, and he'd put it an R in the back of our head. In hair, like you just would buzz it around it, and it'd be an R. A lot of people call this, anyway, never mind. Rockies was the name, right? And you can maybe guess the word. Andy would say it if he's up here, I just can't. Okay, so here's the deal. Did I hear oh? Anyway, where? Okay, so here's the deal. I'm pitching that game, and I'm giving it all I got. I mean, I'm gonna finish this game. But at some point, all the juice in my arm left. And this is what's going on. I get my stance, come here. <laughs> get the ball back. <laughs> get the ball back. I'm screaming, like yelling. My brother was there, and he's like, he's like, he made after he's like, dude, I can count. One, two, three, yell. One, two, three, yell. I beat the kid. Everyone's freaking out. The, the kids were getting up there shaking. They're freaking out. This kid's yelling. What's this problem? I had nothing left. So all I was doing was giving it all. We get down to the last inning, and I'm up to bat, right? And 
Last inning, two outs, I'm on the bat, my best friend's on first base, or one of my best friends on first base. He's pretty quick. I'm like, ooh, I got a shot. We're down by one. Ooh, I'm up. I just hit a bomb earlier on. And so I'm on the bat. And they call timeout. And they bring my other best friend who's playing on the opposite team in the pitch. He's shortstop, and they bring him in. He's an okay pitcher. But he he was brought in because he knows my weaknesses. We played a lot of ball together. He knew I can't hit the inside pitch. It jams me every time because you know, right? I'm, I'm afraid to not strike out, so I can't turn on the ball. And so when it comes inside, I'm jammed, right? Because I don't want to strike out. And so he knows this. So we're just staring each other down, kind of smiling, like this is game time, man. This is like us in the backyard. We've done this multiple times. And I've clocked you multiple times, but you struck me out a couple times. So here we go. He throws it inside, and I sucked, and I sucked into it, man. It rolls down, and Nick is his name. My best friend dies for the ball. It goes to his left. It dies for his ball, and I'm chucking down the first base. I'm going as fast as these legs. And remember, I've been pitching all game, so these legs are not moving as fast as I want them to. But I'm running as fast as I can. He gets the ball, or he dives, bounces off his glove. I'm like, whoa, this is may work. Second day, Mason gets it, throws it right before I hit the bag right here. Ow! Hit the bag and I run off. As I run, tears begin to just form in the eyes and begin to trickle down. I remember though, I was a weird kid, I know, I was only eighth grade, but I was weird. I got to that grass with a foul line, we run past first base, I get to the grass. And I look up to the Lord, and I know I'm weird. What can I do? I gave it all. I turn around and guess who the first base coach was? My dad. seat of Christ, that's kind of how I view it. That if I would just give it all, leave it all in this world as much as possible. Give it, man, I'm doing it, I'm enduring hardest. Just maintain maintain focus. Just get to the game. Finish. Just finish the game. Give it all I got. I'll hear well done to me. Even if I think I'm So man, fast forward a little bit. My dad had freed me of that. Like he just said, well done. And my dad had always wanted to play varsity baseball and he never could. It's too short. But when he was at that age and he just didn't have the skills he developed later. And so he always wanted me to play varsity, get the varsity letter in the jacket. I, because he won my heart, I wanted to. I wanted to do that for him. But remember the rope scene, he let go of me. He gave me over to the Lord. So I'm coming into my junior year. I have a chance to play varsity catcher. I mean, I just, the catcher before me just got a scholarship. I think it was the Texas baseball. And I was the next in line. I'm a junior, about to play varsity ball. I went to everything the season before. And I asked God, because he's now my Heavenly Father. I don't need my Father to tell me necessarily. I have a relationship with the Lord. 
Alright, my Lord. Do you want me to play ball? You know what? You can't answer me. So the next day, Lord, do you want me to play ball? You want to give me an answer? I kept asking him, and then I was like, Lord, I'm not going to do a thing. I'm not going to entangle myself in the practices and the workouts and all that stuff until you give me an answer. I don't want to move. I'm going to be still and see. Again, I'm a junior, and I'm praying through these things. He's not giving me the answer. And I'm not suggesting this, by the way, but just that whole interactive, God gives us grace and we need it. Every day, guys, were asking me, are you coming, are you coming, are you coming? It's easy to have five or plus conversations with the Lord, or the conversations with people about baseball. And I was kind of frustrated with the Lord. I was like, Lord, if I have five conversations today about baseball, I'm going to take that you want me to play. I'm not suggesting this, okay? God was just meeting me where I was at and gave me grace. So this is not wise counsel, okay? But I asked Lord, it's fine. I'm sure that Satan could have probably brought five people in the of that, but here's what the crazy thing is. Nobody talked to me at all about baseball that day. And here's the kicker. Oh, I got four minutes. Here's the kicker. Some of you ladies are like, oh, we're not going to hear the story. That's up to Steve. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm at my locker. Doing my little code, right? Little thing. Yeah. Open locker, and I see on my left eye this the varsity coach coming down. Coach Peck is coming down the hall. I'm like, yes, coach counts as five. That's not He counts as five people. Coach does. He's not a student. He counts. He's the big dog. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, he's coming. Yes. He's coming. He's getting here. And I turn to him. Let's see. Okay, AJ. Come here. Since you play ball. All right, you're me. Okay. All right, you turn to me. Here comes Coach Beck walking down. He, a grown man stared in my eyes for five seconds, didn't say a word, and walked on. He didn't say, hi, what's up, Code? How you doing? It wasn't just like a look of disgust, you're not a practice. He looked deeply into my eyes and didn't say anything. And I'm like, I got it. It's a no until you say go. And I walked away from baseball. That was so hard. And guess what? I'm not telling you that's you. If you're in that situation, and make your process, and God says yes, praise the Lord, whatever. My best friend, God told him yes, and he used it, and he played in college ball, and paid for his scholarship, and all that, whatever. But that was for me. That interactive relationship, God was taught that, and I just let him interact with my life. And so I walked away from baseball. I'm kind of bummed. But I'm like, okay, Lord, you've asked me. I'm going to be in. So a pastor comes to me. He's an old friend of mine. Or he's actually my old youth pastor. Remember the people you submit to put you in the battle? My old youth pastor comes to me and says, hey, you know what? We have this baseball league in our church, and we need coaches. Hefe, or his name is Jeff. Hefe. I did. Like, I'm. 16, 17 years old. 
What am I doing being a head coach of basically man, you'll be fine. You have more you have more knowledge than most of the guys out here. You'll be great. So he puts me over a, a, a little machine pitch group of boys. And on that team was this, this, these two kids, Tyler and Riley Bonison. And in, in this league, you would do devotions after the, the games and after the, the practices. And so I'm leading these devotions, and I'm pressing these guys. Man, you can make an impact. You can share the gospel. It's kind of like what you guys are going to do with BBS. You're investing in the next generation. That's what I was doing. And man, man, through those devotions, they go on family vacation in the middle of the season. Like, you're like, come on, man, you're missing the game. But anyway, through the devotions, they got a burden for the gospel, and they led their cousin to the Lord on their vacation because of the baseball. And I'm like, God, is this why you made me give it up? Well, it's really cool, and I never knew it. I just trusted my Heavenly Father. I found out I actually love coaching baseball way more than I do playing it. Way more. He gave me a new love. It's crazy. So I coached for many years, but you know what was cool too? That summer, when I actually have been playing summer ball, when I've been doing other stuff, conditioning and all that stuff, the things that entangled me to not maybe do the mission, I got approached and said, hey, we're taking a team to Dominican Republic, and we're going to play fast pitch softball. We need a catcher. And at the same time, we're going to share the gospel with not only the men of the city that we play, but also during the day, we're going to do these camps where we do baseball. And then we share the gospel with them. You want to go? What? And then, anybody know Albert Pujols? Well, anyway, Albert Pujols, because he's from Dominican Republic, and his his cousin was playing with us as well, he financed as part of the trip, and through all of it, actually, I didn't pay a dime. People donated for me to go. And I get to play, I get to play Dominican Republic under Albert Pujols in the and tell me about Jesus. Like he gave it back in a way that I never thought he could give it back. It was just amazing. And I don't, he does that stuff, man. If you just don't get entangled with the things of his life, and I was one. Okay, listen. Other ones are relationships. And we just don't have the time. So you're gonna have to come find me. And I'd love to tell my story of that. You just got to come find me sometimes. I don't want to run from this, but I'm telling you what, relationships are some of the things that I saw were going to entangle me. And I made a commitment in middle school that I wasn't going to date. I'm not pushing it on you. Don't feel that. Don't get that. But I made a commitment in middle school with my best friend not to date. Guess what? Next week he was dating. He got a girlfriend. I'm like, what? And I was like, but I made my commitment to my God as well as him. And so I didn't date until after high school. You know what? That saved me from a lot of affairs in this life. And I wish I could tell you that story and the principles that led me to that. Maybe another time. The other one was pornography. That's something I got entangled in. My dad caught me and my brother and told me I'd rather you would, I wish you'd rather on crack than this. And uh, man, I'll tell you what, that, that entangled me. You know what? I was able to find victory, and, and I wish I could talk about that. Man, there's some sweet stuff and how to pull for guys and ladies. Don't and counselors don't assume guys get it in, get into pornography because of lust. Girls get in because of curiosity. 
It's crack when it comes medically to your body, guys. It's like crack. Girls, it's like heroin. What's crazy, though, is the neurons and all that stuff that fire when that stuff happens. You know what's awesome? How it really started is supposed to be you were addicted to your spouse. And when a wife looks at her husband, it's like taking heroin like physically. And when her husband looks at his wife, it's like crack. It's a high. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. But the enemy knows how to twist that. And it is an addiction. The Bible gives a clear way out of it. I wish I had time to talk about that. Here's the deal. If you're going to get in the fight, these are the things I need you to write down to finish this out and Stephen will take over. I just shared my big three with you. Okay? And when I was at your age, those are my big three. So I hope you have the courage to share your big three. And man, if you want to talk about pornography, maybe come find me. I am, I get it. And it is an evil thing and it will go into your marriage if you don't stop it now. But there is hope. I shared that stuff at a camp with me and I just had a conversation with the ladies, just the ladies about pornography. You know, ladies would come up, there's a girl under the road, and I'm like, man, I'm dealing with that, I'm dealing with that, I'm dealing with that. And because you, man, just thought there was no hope for me, and it's just a guy thing. There's no conversation later. That's you. You need to talk. Guy, that's you. You need to talk. If, if man, you're coming up to a big decision like sports or extracurricular activities or band or whatever it is, and seek out one of your spiritual fathers, seek out one of your spiritual mothers, and begin to seek counsel and start to seek the Lord on that thing. Whatever your three is, man, take figure it out so it doesn't entangle you. Here, here you go. This is what you do. Get in the fight. You should know how to get in the fight now. Endure hardness. Maintain focus. Listen, if you do that, you can please him who has chosen you to be a soldier. You can please him. You know who has chosen you to be a soldier? The Lord is his name. A man of war. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for this evening. Thank you for this night, Lord. And thank you for this the five extra minutes and the grace that Stephen's given me to, to come and be in front of his students and his counselors, the ministry that him and Meg have faithfully plowed and planted and watered. And Lord, the, the fruit, Lord, has definitely given you. Lord, you are glorified because of it. I mean, there are many in here that have planted many in here that water this thing and we're, we're, we're just expecting fruit. Lord, we want to see these teams succeed. We want them to not only get in the fight with us, to fight with others or fight with us for other souls and help them get out of Egypt and help them know man, that they can trust the Lord with their heart, with their mind, with their life so that they can then get in the fight with us and but what we all need, we need examples of those that just endure the hardness and that maintain focus and finish. Finish the fight. Lord, you will be pleased as we get in the fight and finish it because you're a man of war. You understand victory. You understand the importance of it. You understand the joy of it. You understand what that would do. 
Use your name, Lord. Lord, let us please you as soldiers. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen.